Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts that are facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern, and we hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Arrow Bandwidth. I'm, um, as always, joined by my co-host, Rich Holmes. Hello, hey, everyone. Rich. How, How you been? You? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's good, good, good. It's good. been a week. And our, we have a Arrow Bandwidth first. We have two guest presenters. We have Mr. Vince Payne. Vince, Washington. Well, I know what your name is, but where'd you come from and what'd you do in Arrow? Hi, um, so I look after um, technical enablement and sort of the pre-sales activities around software-defined enterprise uh, business analytics and intelligence. Fantastic, fantastic. And our fourth host for today is a very influential individual in our organisation, very outspoken, very opinionated. It's Mr Paul Vaughan. Oh, Paul. We love him. Hey, Paul. Hey. How you doing? Yeah. So what do you do at Arrow? What's your role? Uh, other than tell people about uh, how great the All Blacks are. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'd never guess from his accent. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I'm uh, called uh, the Workforce Transformation Lead. Uh, and what that means is I'm the guy that goes out to the partner community and uh, explains to them why they need to think about uh, this new software-defined world, how they can position uh, their products and services to take that to a marketplace that are... Uh, crying out for that type of uh, solution sets. Awesome. So, if you hadn't already guessed, this podcast is about software defined, and specifically the software defined data center. And we've termed or or entitled this podcast, Why Bother Reinventing the Wheel? Because fundamentally, software defined is reinventing that data center from a very north, south, if if you're a techie, or a very sort of physical data center using appliances, firewalls, and and switches and things like that and storage arrays into a software-defined software stack to essentially replace that top of rack. So the question I'm going to pose to to my, my fellow presenters is, with SDDC seeming to offer unparalleled infrastructure flexibility, allowing a business to adapt and flex to whatever the industry throws at it, why hasn't everyone jumped on the bandwagon? So the way I want to answer this, I want to start off by just putting a bit of meat around exactly what SDDC is. So for that, I'm going to pass you over to Vince. Vince, as you head up the technical team for, for our STC, SDDC and just general software-defined division, what is software-defined? Thank you, David. Um, I guess software-defined <laughs> is all around us. You know, digital transformation, the way we interact uh, with the outside world, whether it be uh, on a computer or... Um, consuming or consumption of technology of some sort you know i think we all without even thinking about it really consume and have changed how we interact with technology um some of the big names you'll be very aware of the likes of netflix etc of how we would you know simply go out and consume some kind of uh, film um is very different from what we used to do and you can see how that business has grown from strength to strength and I guess all businesses and whatever vertical they may well be in are having to change. And uh, and if they don't, they probably will get left behind, as Blockbuster did. Yeah. Um, so 
I think moving forward, we will see um, software defined grow across um, uh, our customers' enterprises because uh, to remain um, at the front of their you know their game and remain agile and uh, as leaders in their um, in their field, they very much need to um, utilize um, this this area really. Um, the um, personally, I see it as a very exciting uh, thing. I think it's digital transformation as a whole is absolutely changing. You know how we interact, how businesses work, um, how we, as I say, consume um, technology. The um, the kind of the building blocks of SDCC, which really was virtualization. You know, we started off with compute. Um, we moved into storage and now sort of the last part of uh, networking and cloud uh, integration and those technologies that help us kind of glue all these different elements mm-hmm. together um, mean that um, we can be very different. And I think you've seen it, I've seen it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we've seen an entire portfolio of products and I think there's a very interesting sort of trend growing today where if you're a vendor that doesn't have a software-defined offering, you are being left behind. So if we start from the very sort of top level, you know, we, we sort of stop the consumerization or the sort of actually what the end users are consuming from a vendor perspective, the guys who are essentially leading the charge. If you do not have something that is software defined, a software defined version of your physical appliance, I genuinely think you're going to get left behind. And we're seeing this more and more and more, the biggest vendors in the world, be they storage, be they security, be they um, analytics, every single person is saying that. Uh, I, but, my personal opinion. But what's driving that move to software defined? You know, are we, are we just creating something so that we've got the next thing to sell? Or, and good know, question. Uh, it is a loaded question as well. It's yeah. We don't certainly in our line of business. You know, we don't deal with very many big media streaming organisations. So how how can software defined, um, you know, impact our partners and and, and their end users? Well, it, it's as Vin said, the, the problem with software defined, if, if you listen to resellers, uh, or when, when we speak to resellers, um, you know, they say, well, what, what are you talking about software defined? Is that something that the vendors have cooked up this year? Uh, you know, yeah. we have to sell it again. That's what bingo. But um, it isn't that way. It's us as consumers, we are the ones driving the software defined world, right? <laughs> like Vin said about uh, Netflix. There was, a, there was a time when I used to enjoy coming home and um, thinking about, oh, I'm going to go to the Blockbuster and get like two or three DVDs. And now I couldn't be bothered with that. I want to press my remote and mm. Netflix needs to come. And the irritation is it comes so fast nowadays that I don't have time to make that coffee and get the popcorn anymore, right? Because broadband's so good. So we are the ones causing uh, organizations to think about how agile they can be, how automated they can be to provide services to us. Um, and are these new services, do you think? Do you think it's are they, a, they a are mix of existing and new? It depends. So sometimes they are these newborn in the cloud stuff, but it's fundamentally doing the same human stuff that we used to do, but just thinking about it differently. So I live in London, and I commute using the tube and the train and the buses, right? And I love doing that because it, it gets me around where I need to be. There's red bus lane, so of course the buses get primary, um, you know, primacy over the... Um, of the transport. So I have a, a zip car account, which means that for £6 an hour, I can get to use a car on a weekend if I need to. And mm. Most weekends I don't because I'm going into the city centre. The whole point of coming to London is so that I get to see stuff in London. But on those occasions when I want to go, I use a zip car, £6 an hour. And by the time I've spent so many X amounts of hours at £6, 
I don't even come to the full price of mm. just the insurance of what yeah. it would cost. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's people like us, consumers, that are driving that uh, need for the people who provide us with services to be agile. Yep, absolutely. Mm. That's the word. That's the word. Agile. And Agility and I think is well, key. Yeah, and I think as well as you, as you start to see millennials have an impact in you know in, in the workplace, that expectation that yeah. you know I just want to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not bothered. And not really, I'm not bothered how. I, I want, want it now. It, and yeah. I want to do it now. I want yeah. it now. And by yeah. the way, I want to do it on my iPhone, on my phone, other phones exist, <laughs> on my tablet, on my computer, and I want exactly the same experience yeah. consistently across the world. Absolutely. Right. So that agility, I think we need to qualify it by saying they want automated agility. That's yeah. what we want. So we want it to be automatic. And when you make it automatic, you can't put a human being into the workflow. Because human beings get sick and you need uh, to put in processes to make sure that people don't make mistakes and all this stuff, right? But if you can turn it into some sort of software construct where it's just a bunch of commands that can be automated, well, that changes things. And that's where... Well, that's where we start to introduce the concept of infrastructure as code. You know, infrastructure literally becomes a list of parameters in a file that you just feed into a system that automatically builds that complex infrastructure for you repeatedly over and over again Mm. scales out scales up scales left scales right and actually you can then as you say you can be quick you can be automated and one of the other things that software defined brings for me is you can handle scale so you can always deliver a consistent um, response time to your end users so in a physical world as we all well know Mm. you want to scale up you place an order Six weeks later, a server turns up, you've got to build it. That's no way to run a 21st century business. That is no way to, to build a business that can actually deal with the workloads and the, and the demand of a modern user. So in my world, you know, it's all about how quickly can we, can we scale, how quickly and, and how seamlessly can we build that infrastructure from, from nothing, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Software Defined is fundamentally the only way that that can occur. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think we see that in today's enterprises, you know, naming no vendors, but there there, there are certainly, you know, uh, the capability to orchestrate, to grow, to um, extend, uh, to control different environments, different templated workflows, mm. whatever it may well be, can um, yeah, we can do that now. You know, yeah. you couldn't do that when we were, we had to... Um, you know, implement technologies that are very hardware-based. Uh, they didn't have the level of um, communication between the different elements. Um, so obviously virtualization uh, changed that immensely, um, and we see that now growing yeah. um, throughout the enterprise. Slightly off topic, but on the same general theme, one of the other really interesting things I've seen from Software Defined is it's giving the ability for lots of small organizations to get involved in infra- enterprise infrastructure. So we've seen, I'm seeing more and more little sort of niche startups come and start to compete with the big boys, you know, the big networking vendors, the big storage vendors, and say, hey, because we can bring innovation, we can bring agility through delivering these cool, funky, software-defined infrastructures because it's software. We haven't got to go and have a plant and develop hardware and get it ratified and get it manufactured and all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. It's allowing... uh, One of the things I've really enjoyed seeing from software-defined fundamentally across the board is is the rate of infrastructure and enterprise sort of back-end innovation just Mm. go off the chart Mm. you know we've seen automation go from something that was 
deeply, deeply detailed and deeply in the back end of, of sort of the developer works and people like that, just go and everyone can do it now. It's drag and drop, absolutely drag and drop. We've seen storage, drag and drop. It's enabling a completely new generation of individual to turn around and, and, and a new generation of organization to really compete and to innovate and to push the, the bigger guys, the more monolithic organizations who mm. are much more sort of suited to that very slow development cycle and say, come on, guys, you know, crack on. I think that's one of the things. I mean, my, back, my background is software. So, yeah, you'd put me near a, a server, um, a switch or a router and some storage. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd break out in a cold sweat. <laughs> but you, know, you apply that level of, of, of control and you start talking, you know, software defined, you start to talk my language. I, I, I get that. It, it's, I, I think it's, it's not a very good example of what I'm about to say, but it is still an example that one of the things that I think, and I'm certainly not an expert like our illustrious guests here, but one of the things that software defined to me is it as an end organization, as an enterprise or as an SME, yeah, you almost take that siloed approach to your skills base and your IT department away because you don't, entirely move to a team of generalists but you do not have to have that in-depth ingrained yep. knowledge and skills mm -hmm. and investment and cost in areas like and automation interestingly that brings me on to another point so you know the blockers to adopting um this type of technology so if you think of you're an organization you're a, you're a tech department and i'd be fascinated to know your guys opinion on this you're a technical. You're a you're a technologist in a in a department of techies. You are the storage guy. Introducing software defined storage, or if you're the network guy, you know you're used to having your your big chunky laptop with your serial cable, and you walk around the data center and you plug in, and and you work at the command line, and and you're a fantastic sort of uh, fantastic guy. What threat is posed by software defined to your job, and and how do you deal with that? Because if we look at cloud as a sort of parallel sort of infrastructure or parallel sort mm. of track, I think one of the main reasons cloud has not been adopted as big and as broadly as it could have been is people are worried about it completely disrupting their job. And mm. I think when you bring that sort of into this the equation, how do you essentially turn around to people and say, it's fine, you know, it's just moving up the value chain, as it were. It's not going to disrupt your job. You know, what do you think? From a from a, a work perspective, I suppose it depends on how you view your your own world, your aspirations, etc. So, if you've built your uh, career on this notion that uh, if I become this hardware expert for this particular vendor, um, a I'm going to be earning X amount of dollars mm. per mm. per annum, and I can progress up a value chain because that's what's been created for me. And then I can build a family, I can get a mortgage, I can have all those aspirational things and I can put some money away for my kids to go to college and university. If that's your view of your career, then when someone comes along and says, oh, the fact that you can work on a command line interface and do all that uh, really cryptic code thing, yeah, yeah that's not going to be mm. uh, an important skill anymore. Yep. Mm. Yeah, of course, you're going to freak out, won't you? Yeah, so. However, if you see 
um, this world evolving and you see that you are the cause of the world evolving and you can see that someone sitting down and trying to code a command line interface is going to you know, make it so that you won't get your product and service quickly enough. If you start to internalize you as a consumer into you as a person that works in a business, mm. it's at that point that you start to think, well, maybe if the people who provide me with services must reinvent themselves, shouldn't I potentially reinvent myself as an employee? You know, what does that look like to be a network engineer in the 21st century? Does it mean I need to know CLI of Junoris mm. or Cisco Eyes or whatever? Or does it mean I need to understand how to architect and orchestrate mm. um, networks? So what do you think the channel can do to help that transition? Because obviously there's trusted advisors in in the ecosystem of, of buying, procuring, mm. implementing, and then on the ongoing management of infrastructure. Because, uh, you know, that I think the, the sort of holistic dream is, is brilliant about knowing that you can bring yourself up the value chain, but, you know, these guys have made an entire career for many, many years, and, and they're really, really scared of, of change. They're really, really scared of the disruption that's going to bring to their world and to their organisation. Do you have any... Have you seen any examples in, in the world where... You know, resellers done a really good job, or MSPs, or anyone's done a really good job of of introducing these disruptive technologies in a really nice way, or or or, mm. or does it not exist yet? I mean, there's a perfectly valid thing to say. Actually, do you know what? No one's doing it very well yet, which is probably one of the reasons why it's not been mass mass adopted. Considering the flexibility, I appreciate there's a a cost aspect to to mm. developing and sort of integrating a software-defined infrastructure? I think it has been mass adopted. It just depends on your perspective on what you're yeah. looking at, you know? I mean, a picture can be looked at all sorts of different ways. Um, so, again, we, uh, from an arrow perspective, I say to the resellers, you need to understand what my job looks like, right? My job is to speak to hundreds of uh, your types of organizations. Your job is to do what you need to do to close those businesses. So, I bring a perspective that you can't have because the nature of my job is fundamentally different from yours so it's one thing to say um, look um, the vendors are, are saying this is how you should be positioning it but if all the vendors are talking about it and if we see what end users are saying then we can craft a proposition for the resellers and say listen this is something that you have no choice but to take out mm. to mm. your customers if you think that you're going to build a multi-million dollar business on um, implementing complex professional services uh, that take two three four weeks yeah, you may well be able to do that, but if another disruptor comes along and says, well, we just built it so that it's easy to deploy and you can just press a few buttons and you can have it in you know minutes and hours, yeah. you stand mm. no sh no chance of... How do you compete? Yeah, mm. of being credible in that space. Mm. Mm. Vince, um, a little bit like you, I, you know, I work alongside, you know, my guys, my guys are technical, mm. and, you know, we've... We touch through the vendors that we have an element of, of software defined. I'm just I'm just interested in you know how how your team have have kind of gone down this journey from that maybe that that specialism mm. to being a little bit more. I, I don't want to use the word broadline, but no, no, or no, generalist, yeah. but mm. yeah, mm. reinventing themselves as specialists <coughs> in a mm. software defined world. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an interesting uh, journey, I think. I mean, I think one thing we've all seen over the last five years, that a lot of vendors and new vendors come to market, some to great success, some to less. 
but certainly you know within our portfolio we have a uh, a good mix and they all for whatever reason have a, you know specific reasons why they're different why they're good what hence their success um the interesting thing is you look at the market and then look at the people and our team skilling up to then sort of support and deliver etc is that it's a massively growing market you know mm. these these um uh, new businesses you know they've they've gone through all this capital funding they 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 ipo typically and they're, they're effectively taking um uh you know customers away from the big four or five you know and they're doing mm. it all the time so we kind of react to that um, we uh, we we speak to uh, you know we have good relationships with our uh, uh, reseller partners and deliver training and as paul was speaking you know if we don't and if you don't go along that path you know there it's always going to be someone else out there who's gonna, who's more than capable of delivering that new message it's you a know? different it's we a, have to kind yeah. of support that yeah. so a it's a different it's, type of opportunity yeah. it is absolutely and those new technologies are quite exciting they're quite um different from one another um and um being able to uh talk about you know the differences between them and then uh, enable your partners to then take that step further and close business. It's very interesting for the you know my guys mm. because it's it's different. You know they're they're you know whether it's you know we talk about software defined now, but th- there has been quite a lot of hardware defined stuff as well <laughs> recently with with flash and CPU and memory and all these yeah, kind of things absolutely. changing all those new. But fundamentally, all these new storage vendors, for example, have um, better software. You know, it's far easier uh, to integrate into the virtualization layer it's much easier to then start orchestrating and do all the other clever stuff when you have something that fundamentally is faster it's very got very low latency etc etc so it all kind of fits together you know and i think now we're in a place where the software is coming together there's the 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 hardware's there that there is you know the clouds there things are you know we were talking about those people who who were early adopters perhaps that it's now uh, you know i'd say almost mature really you know we've just been waiting really for the final bits the glue really sort of some 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 things around the cloud and the network virtualization to kind of bring it all together yeah Yeah. that's uh, been a big part of it so i'm going to pose a question to the group if you were an organisation, or more importantly, if you were a one of our partners, a channel VAR, a channel VAR or an MSP, mm. where would you advise customers start? Where would you go in? You go into an organisation. They're not greenfield. They're very established in what they're doing. They have physical switching, physical storage. They virtualise because I think that's just fundamental now. Yep. I think everyone's gone down the virtualization route of compute. Yeah. What next? Where would you advise? What's a pragmatic step? You know bring industry verticalization into it if, if mm. it helps to answer the question but what have you seen be a really good pragmatic step what would you do where would you go um i think uh, one of the first things we see really is it's just taking that virtualization layer up to the next step i mean everyone is in a different journey in in, in this world which is basically software defined and it's you know it's about the the management of that area really so a lot of people are moving into a getting better insights into that um so around sort of operations management then about the orchestration so people are sort of partly there um people are looking at um and and have had sort of uh, some uh, virtualization around the storage area so as the enterprises sort of develop you know given you know i think the bigger enterprises are uh, are more likely to be further along the journey for network uh, virtualization which kind of is that final kind of piece of the puzzle um, but I think it's just probably just understanding where you are in that uh, with virtualization, and then what elements you think are going to make a difference to your business. Yeah. You know, because 
some businesses are not going to benefit from some of these things we're talking about, whereas others, are, it's going to bring absolute competitive advantage. Yeah. So I like that a lot, actually. That's a really, really good tip. The first thing you should do is not look at how you can transform and disrupt the rest of your business, but take your virtualization layers to the next level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Automation, um, you know, the, automate, the tooling around automation, the tooling around better reporting, better management. That's a, a great shout. Absolutely great shout. Paul? What will be your thoughts if we've if we've got to the point where actually do you know what we've got automation, we've got um, good reporting. What next? Where where can you see the biggest values for a business being being gleaned from? Well, I I would encourage resellers to sit down with their customers, different stakeholders in 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 their um, customer base, and understand what sort of pressures are being applied. Now, if you speak to the finance folks, they might say, listen, you know, we don't get a lot of cash. Everyone wants to go on a um, um, sort of a consumption model, which means we never have this bucket loads of capital. We can go and invest in large projects anymore. So what do we do? So, of course, you know, using the likes of Arrow Arrow Capital Solutions is is a good way to introduce things like that to them, saying there are ways to acquire these large infrastructures and uh, still give you the ability to um, to charge at, at on a sort of utility model. So you'd say software-defined finance? Well, yeah, to some extent. <laughs> but you so see, when is, you hit it here first. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, this is the thing, right? You, you're going to have to talk about those stuff if you speak to the finance stakeholders. Yeah. If you spoke to other folks in, in HR, if you spoke to the sales and marketing people, they will say some other things. They'll say, look, we, we don't seem to be getting... The, the type of business we used to get, you know, things are really low on margin, et cetera. Everyone's talking about, you know, um, how, how much cheaper we can get it. So how do we get uh, better margin business? How do we get, uh, um, you know, more wallet share? Um, and then it's from there that you start to craft messages for, uh, for, for your marketplace, whether that be in particular verticals, et cetera. Awesome. Rich, any pearls of wisdom? Ooh, plenty, maybe not for this one podcast but um i'll pick on something i'll pick up on something by paul and been said yeah um with the vendor spread that i've got um we we were never at that virtualization like we just have tech there um and it's naturally where we played but only in very niche areas very specific areas a vendor who shall remain who shall remain nameless um has done a fairly good job of, 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 of producing a software-defined storage message and being able to go into some of our traditional hardware bars and say, right, you know, we, we, we kind of want to enable you. This, this vendor's you know, reinventing themselves as a software and as a cloud vendor and, you know what, we want to help you grow and develop your business. And let's, let's revisit some of this, you know, some of these way she takes storage to market wouldn't it be interesting to sit down with one of your end clients and you know as Paul was alluding to say I don't want to sell you more tape more disk drives more flash I want to break that cycle of refresh and just throwing capacity at a problem I want you I want to help you get control of the assets that you've got Mm -hmm. the capacity you've got I want to help you understand what you're doing how you're doing it and I want to help drive your costs down. I don't yep. want to sell you anything. Yep. Now, just by having that conversation in that manner, 
you're automatically putting yourself out as a disruptor. Yeah. You're not really doing anything different about the technology you're using, the skills that you've got, because I guarantee you, yeah, the next step from that is, right, we've saved you X. So you now have a proportion of your budget that we've broken out the cycle. And you know what? We can look at where's your next pain point? Where's the next problem that, you know what, it's been on the job list to do time and time again, but yeah, other costs have always cra- uh, have always crept in. And it's Absolutely. always been a I'd like to do. Absolutely. And you know what? We haven't even mentioned DevOps. That's a shocker. Which is one of my personal favorite uses of SDBC. But I mean, I suppose to sum up, everyone's sort of thoughts it's about being more intelligent with what you've got right it's about being able to implement agility by default rather than agility by crowbar and sledgehammer Um, and that's i suppose one of the most important things in the world today if we aren't able to be agile if we aren't able to adapt to changing markets and, and get that competitive advantage because you know why do we do anything in business we do it to make money right we don't do it to have the newest shiniest box or the newest shiniest something or other and uh, someone gave me a term actually the other day shiny box syndrome shiny box syndrome is the scourge of the IT professional and um, you know software defined in my personal view takes us away from that because you stop worrying about the boxes and you start worrying about the tangible sort of assets that the the box delivers Mm. one of my biggest 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 bugbears with any IT organisation is their absolute sort of focus and their their drive to to the box to that to that flashing light to that cable the problem with that is that the business views infrastructure security all these things as intangible assets they don't contribute to the bottom line they don't contribute to the business value well 99 times out of 100 they don't so let's stop thinking about them let the let the infrastructure manage itself and let us be more valuable to the business. Agree? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, on that note, we have just come to the bottom of the hour and you've uh, wasted another 30 minutes listening to Arrow Bandwidth. Much appreciate. I'd love to thank my guest hosts, Paul and Vince, and my northern buddy, my regular, co- my regular presenter friend, Mr. Richard Holmes. As per usual, your producer has been Hannah Jenny and I am David Fern. Thank you very much for listening and we shall see you next week. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye. Bye.